Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. We started a series last weekend uh, called Are You Okay? It's a collection of talks where we're starting a conversation with the question of, are you okay? And if you're here today and I were to ask you that question and you, would have, you were to say, yes, I'm okay, I would say that's the goal. That's, that's what we want. That's why we're here. That's our desire. We're all working towards okay. But if I were to ask some of you if you're okay, many of you would probably say, no, I'm not okay. And guess what? That's okay too. This is a space where you can walk in and you can not be okay, and that's okay. Our position here at Pinewood Church is not for everybody to come in with their prettiest self, but their most genuine and authentic self. And however that you come in, we want to meet you right there. And we want to start a conversation and we want to start a journey with you towards being more mentally physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. Health is always the goal, right? I mean, we want to be healthy people. We believe that healthy things grow. And we want to see you healthy, and we want to see you grow and thrive in life. There was a statement that kind of surprised me. Uh, I just found out about this statement. It was made by a former mayor, and it may shock you as well, especially just based on what I know of Boulder and what I know of everyone here today. And the statement was this. A former mayor said that Boulder is a city without a soul. Oh, I didn't say that. I can, that wasn't me. That was a former mayor that knew this city really well. So Boulder is a city without a soul. And, and what this mayor meant by that was is that we are the wealthiest city but we give financially the least. We're the brightest and the smartest city. I mean, have you ever done a study of how many degrees this city has? It's ridiculous. Half of the people that I meet, I'm like, working on my PhD. I'm like, yeah, me, me too. My second one, actually. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's absurd. It's a smart city. But you know, for as smart as we are, we have the least amount of volunteer hours. So, you know, that kind of struck me kind of hard when I heard that, because I was like, you know, not, my city's not a city that I stole your city, not mine. But the data is, is kind of in the favor towards the opposite. And I feel like that that there's something broken with that being the case. Like, this, that sh just shouldn't be okay. Like, why are people, why are people that are the wealthiest not generous? Why are the people that are the smartest and brightest not the most selfless towards serving the city and giving of themselves of the city? And it just kind of struck me that I, th I think we're moving in the right lane with this collection of talks. Because if a city is broken, then a people are broken. You can't restore a city to health 
with broken people. And we're going to unpack what I mean by that. But last weekend, we talked about, one of the principles we talked about was rest. We just said, oh, for you to be mentally healthy, you got to get some rest. And we looked at the scripture and we talked about what the Bible had to say about getting good rest for your mind, for your body, for your soul. And this Sunday, we're going to be talking about what does it look like for you to be restored. Last Sunday was rest. This weekend is restored. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what it looks like to reset some things in your life. Just reset some habits, some rhythms, reset the pace that you're, maybe you're moving on. And I think that could be really healthy for you as well. But tonight, we're talking about restore. We're going to be looking at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. I want to tell you right now, we're going we're gonna to be looking at a lot of different scriptures, and we're going to get super practical tonight. Is that, is that okay? Just, just, I believe that the scripture is very practical, and I just want to talk about some practical ways. I, before I read the scripture, I want to say this. I always want to start off with a disclaimer, because especially when you're talking about mental health, and if you're a guest with, with us today and you saw advertisement that our pastor is speaking on mental health, I just want to say from the very beginning, I am not a professional therapist. So do I have all of the scientific data and research surrounding mental health? No, but I'm trying. I'm trying to understand it more and learn it more, uh, not only for my own benefit, for the benefit of others. So I just want to tell you right now, not, not a psychiatrist, not a therapist, but I am a pastor and a preacher, and I do know what the Bible has to say about our mind and our surrounding mental health. And I believe that there are some amazing principles that we can learn from God's word that'll help us Become more mentally healthy. Also, I want to say this. This is not a pray and it'll go away type of a message or type of a series. So if, if, if that's it, I can already feel in the room, you're thinking to yourself, here we go, another pray and it'll go away. I mean, do we say that in any other area of our life? Now, do I believe that you can pray and God can perform a miracle and immediately restore you? Absolutely. 100% with all of the faith that I have, I believe that you could have come in here depressed and you could have leave with joy. Do I also believe that you should seek professional counseling? Absolutely. Every single one of us, to some degree, we need some professional help. You guys are super jacked up. I'm just telling you. I, we're friends. We're friends here. And I'm lovingly saying, hey, get some help. It'll, it'll, it'll be really good for you if you do. Me and my wife get help. And we actually just got a list this week of some amazing counselors in the area that we would love to put that list in your hands. And we would love to get you all the help you need to get professional counseling so that you can get mentally healthy. And if you're here today and you're like, I've always wanted to get counseling, but I've just never been able to afford it, come and talk to us. We want to help you afford it. That's why we're here. We're here to come alongside you and to help you any way that we can. So come find us. Come talk to us. We'll give you a list. We'll come alongside you and help you. Whatever we can do, we want to get you help. This is also not a praying it'll go away where we're saying that uh, you're an evil person if you seek medication to help you mentally. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of shame and a bad stigma around getting medication to help you with disorders and illnesses. And I also think that's insane. You know, if you have a headache, are we going to say, 
hey, don't take that Tylenol. Don't take that ibuprofen. Where's your faith? No. We're going to pray. We're going to have faith. We're going to pop a couple pills, and we're going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? God answers that prayer every time. Every time. <laughs> so there if, if there. if you came into this room and thinking that's the type of message this is going to be, I hope we've leveled the playing field and said that's not the type of message that is, this is. But it is a very practical message. I believe that our greatest guide to life is God's word. That every deep question that we have about purpose and meaning and health, all of those questions, the answers are found in God's word. You're like, that's an iPad. Okay, I have the Bible in here too, okay? Trust me, not all the answers are found in the iPad, all right? But in God's word, yes. So, all right, now that I've said that, the long disclaimer, but I think it'll be worth it. Let's go. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, it says this. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, says this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Everybody say peace. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds. Everybody say mind. Guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. I love this. You may have never even noticed this in the text. What does it say? Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Are you reading this? Let's say this. Let's say what, it, what we should. Let's fix our, let's read this together. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. I'll take over. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and how, how much you talk about our mind and how much we can learn from scripture about how we can protect our mind, how we can guard our minds, how we can put ha uh, habits in our lives that will keep our minds healthy. God, I just pray that we would lean in, that we would try to understand what your scripture is saying to us today. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit does what I cannot and that it speaks to every single person here individually, that it encourages people, that it challenges people, that it convicts, that it inspires people. And Father, I pray for people that came in here with a heavy heart and a heavy mind, that they would leave encouraged and challenged to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Beautiful Pieces. Beautiful Pieces. I believe that God specializes in taking the broken and making something beautiful. This is God's specialty. He is a restoring God. And the first thing that I want us to look at is this comparison between broken to restoration. Broken to restoration. 
What in your world feels broken? Let's make it a little bit more specific. What in your mind feels just a little off? And you may be thinking, most of my mind feels a little, <laughs> it's fine, I'm with you, I'm with you. But what in your, what in your mind, what in your thoughts feels broken? Like, I don't know that I should be feeling this way. I don't know that I should be thinking these thoughts. And I wanna, I wanna give you some examples of some comparison of what you probably feel right now and what God wants to restore. Just some areas of our thought lives that God wants to restore. The first is fearful to faithful. Fearful to faithful. And you may be here and you say, well, I'm not a fearful person, but I can tell you, you cannot be a fearful person and fear can creep up on you at any minute. And when it creeps up on you, it can become debilitating. You're like, well, where'd you come from? I'm normally courageous. I'm normally fearless, but this has got me a little jacked up. This happened to me. I'm not typically a fearful person in most things in life. A little bit of adrenaline junkie in general. And uh, never really experiences the, the fire or flight. You know, it's always fight for me. And so, like, the whole fearful flight thing is the components off in my head. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'll straight attack, you know what I'm saying? But the fear, the fear thing, it got me really bad recently. Yeah, this is gonna sound really dumb to you, but this is what I mean when it can creep up on you on something that may seem really insignificant. I was in the bathroom. And, and my wife says, hey, where'd you get that bruise on your back? And I was like, bruise? Remember this? I was like, why, why is there a was there a bruise on my back? And I'm looking, and there was a bruise on my back. I'm like, I didn't bump it. No, I didn't bump it. No, I would remember that. And then I Googled. Everybody, everybody, if fear is a problem for you, whatever the case, if anything is ever going on in your body, never Google it. It was just like, I had two weeks to live, okay? I was like, this sucks, man. Why did I, like, I'm telling you, I was like, bruises appearing out of nowhere. Oh, gosh, don't Google that. It sent me down a wicked spiral of fear. I was like, this is it. I was kissing my wife goodnight, like goodbye, and goodnight and goodbye at the same time. And I'm not joking at all when I tell you I got maybe an hour's worth of sleep that night. I woke up sweating in the night. I had horrible dreams. And you're thinking, dude, you are messed up. That's a bruise, okay? You have five kids. They could have need you at any time. <laughs> but that's how fear works. Something, something creeps in that may seem really insignificant or really small, and then you get afraid and you get fearful, and then you just spiral out of control. Uh, I want to encourage you with something right now. I want to tell you a, a fact, that fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. This is actually a, a tactic and a strategy of the enemy to take you out. Uh, it says in Second uh, Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And what does it say? And of a sound mind. Wow, isn't it amazing all these passages talking about our brain? 
So fear is not of God. Fear is of the enemy to take you out. But God wants to restore our minds. And what does it say? He wants to give us power, love, and a sound mind. What has fear ever benefited you in your life? Have you ever been really fearful one day and the next day thought, really glad I was afraid yesterday? Had I not been afraid, I don't know I'd be standing right here today. No, fear has never benefited you, but faith has. Faith has. The moment the enemy tries to take you out, he said, no, no, devil, not today. I'm gonna stand on faith and believe that even if it is something, God's gonna get me through it. God's gonna protect me. God wants to take us from fearful to faithful. We're gonna talk more about that in a second and make it really practical. Moving on. God wants to take our minds, he wants to restore us from being depressed to being joyful. I would say, based on the statistics of the United States of America, three-fourths of this room is experiencing depression to some degree. You're just, you're depressed. A working definition of depression is a feeling of severe despondency and dejection. Despondency and dejection. Self-doubt creeps in, and then over time, it inevitably turns to depression. And you can choose either self-doubt or self-awareness. You have a choice. Self-doubt, I'm not enough. I don't belong here. I'll never be enough. It's these insecurities creep in, which ultimately will lead you to depression. But self-awareness can lead you to dependency on God. Oh man, I'm, I am kind of weak here. I don't know that I can control this situation. I don't feel enough. But God says something different about me. But God says I am enough. And you just start to lean a little more on God and a little more on God, a little less on your insecurities and a little more on what God says about you and who God says you are and how God has purposed you in life. And it's a beautiful thing that happens when we go from self-doubt to self-awareness. Nehemiah 8.10 says, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. That word strength in the Bible, it actually means, means a stronghold of protection. It's not necessarily like the joy of the Lord is my big muscles, you know? That's not exactly what the text is saying. It's more the joy of the Lord is my stronghold. It is my, my, my barrier of protection against the enemy. The enemy wants you to believe that you're nothing. The enemy comes to still kill and destroy. He wants to take you out. He wants to give you all the insecurities in the world and the self-doubt. That's his strategy. That's his plan. But God wants to give you protection. And how does he do that? Through the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalms 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. God wants to do some restoration in somebody's life today. God wants to take you from depressed to joyful. How do we do that? Pray to God. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And guess what happens? God restores. 
And do we, and, and do we have to work to be restored and, and, when, and be joyful? No, you receive restoration from God. God fills you with joy. God pulls you out of the pit. It's God's job to put the broken pieces back together and make something beautiful. Number three, workaholic to surrendered. Who are my workaholics in the house? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Honesty. Thank you. This is a, that's a horrible thing, okay? We're going to talk about, <laughs> just want to let you know right now, you should feel horrible about yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you for your honesty. That's not what we're doing here. This is my struggle. I would consider myself a workaholic. And I would say this is, this, I mean, this is straight genetic for me. I would say this, this is down the line, handed down to me. I, just, I, I work, and I work more and a lot. And if, if I could, I would work 24-7. There was a time in my life where I was putting in anywhere between 110 to 125 hours a week, and I was just going and going and going, and I was just like, man, I'm loving this. This is so much work. Until I was getting zero sleep, and then my body started to shut down. I started slurring my words. I started losing relationships. I'm like, yeah, this is not best. You know, this is probably not God's best for my life. But this is my struggle. I think the, the biggest issue with being a workaholic is not time, but trust. You're like, well, no, it's time. Like, I haven't seen, you know, my spouse in like a week, you know. It could be. It could be time is a struggle too. But I think it's more trust. I'm speaking from personal experience. Why do I feel like I have to work my head off? Maybe maybe because I don't trust God enough to take a Sabbath. Maybe I don't trust God enough to pull away during my day to spend some time alone with him, knowing that that is gonna be the very thing that brings me to an abundant life. Instead, I think I'm just gonna work and work and work and work but do I trust in my own efforts to bring about happiness and fulfillment or do I trust in God to provide everything that I need? That's the question. I think being a workaholic is an issue of trust over time. Are you a workaholic or are you surrendered to God? Now, this is what I'm not saying. Go be lazy. And you're like, great, I got a ticket to be lazy. That's not what I'm saying here. You have responsibilities. You should be disciplined. You should be pursuing excellence. You should work. It's actually one of the things we're going to be talking about is for mental health, one of the things that we see, the science and everything, all the therapists are pointing to is that a healthy workflow is actually one of the very things that pulls you out of being mentally unhealthy. So I'm not saying don't work. I'm saying work. But also, think about it, is, is the effort and the work that I'm working towards because I don't trust or what would it look like for me to live a surrendered life with my hands open, saying, like, I'm going to put in the hours, but then I'm going to also spend time with God. I'm going to also rest. This, this principle is not just with work. This principle is with finances as well. This principle is all over Scripture. Do, we, do I trust God with the 90% of my income and give the 10% back to him? It all goes back to an issue of trust. Are you, Workaholic, or you trust God? Are you selfish to generous? Selfish to generous. Acts 20, 33 to 35 says this. I've never, as you well know, had any taste for wealth or fashion. It's interesting. I've never had a taste for it. With these bare hands, 
I took care of my own basic needs and those who worked with me. And everything I've done, I have demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, this is, this is where it's key, listen, you're far happier giving than getting. This is a biblical principle. It's been around a really long time. We see this best lived out in Jesus Christ and God who sent his son into the world and, and Jesus who's, who served and who gave. So much so, he gave his very life as a ransom for many, as the scripture says. We see Jesus live this out the best, but not only is this a biblical principle, but it's also a scientific fact. Do you believe that science is saying, you know, many of you here have the, the, the two PhDs, and so I know you're all, you know, you know, but that when you give and you do an act of kindness and you serve with a selfless attitude, it releases a chemical in your brain called dopamine that actually is like a euphoric sense of just, ooh, that feels, ooh, that felt great. The euphoria and inner peace are the, are the terms that are associated with this chemical that's released in your brain when you are generous. And I believe this is one of the areas of our lives that God wants us to restore in our brain. Wait, you mean a very practical, tangible expression of my love and my faith actually has a very positive mental effect on my life? Yes. Yes. That's why I believe if we were to live God's way, we would live healthier lives. He wants to take us from being selfish to generous. A pine wood, we do not believe that being generous is a burden or an obligation, but it's actually a gift from God and it's a privilege. So it's not like this thing that we're checking off the box saying like, oh, here's my 20 bucks. It's like, no, how can I contribute? How can I give? How can I show up? How can I serve you? And yet again, this is another one of those principles, biblical principles that has uh, science is pointing to saying like this actually does help people. They don't reference the Bible, but it's true. The last thing is he wants to take us from anxious to peaceful. Anxious to peaceful. How easy is it for us to get anxious about everything? Easy, easy, easy. Work. I'm going to make you anxious right now. You ready? Work. How's work going, you know? know, Your family. How's your health? How's your car? You know? Some of you just got really stressed out just then. (laughs) You're like, yeah, I kind of sputtered the way here. Like, (laughs) car's on the struggle. I'm, I'm a little worried about that. It is so easy for stress and anxiety to creep into our lives, and even good things become stressful. I remember whenever my wife and I bought our, uh, our second home, we did a complete and total house flip, and this was a good thing. This is a gift from God. We prayed for this. And then it felt like every day we were just anxious about the house. Another water pipe burst, or this is going behind schedule, or this is costing more than I thought that it would. Basically, everything that happens when you renovate a house. And when this very good and positive thing in our life became something we became very anxious over and stressed out about. But we see here in Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Oh, wait, don't worry about anything? No, 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 God, give me a pass on at least this one thing. No, 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 don't worry about anything. Instead, talk to me about everything. 
I think this is, the, this is the type of a passage that we could commit to memory. I think it's the type of passage you should commit to memory. And anytime anxiety creeps in, you say, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. God, let's talk. I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. This is one of those things that you can quickly and easily memorize, hide in your heart, so that when the moment comes that you be anxious, you give it back to God. He gives us a process. Worry does not empty our tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. You know who said this? Corey Ten Boom. Worry does not empty our Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And I believe that that's so true. Moving on. Broken and beautiful. So everything, everything uh, goes well until tragedy happens. You could be mentally healthy. Feel good about life. And all of a sudden... Let's just say, for example, your car. You're having a good day. You're on your way to church. The sun's out. The windows are down. Do it again by elevation is playing. I see you move. And you're like, geez, God, you're so good. And then all of a sudden, your car starts sputtering. And you're like, bam! <laughs> Tragedy strikes. And broken pieces shoot out everywhere. You're on a hike and you're with your friends and you're smelling the roses and it's a 70 degree, beautiful fall day. The aspens are starting to turn and you're sharing your hopes and your dreams with the people around you and you get a text message from your boss that says, hey, uh, can we meet for lunch tomorrow? Bam! <laughs> Boom! Not okay. Things are not okay. That's how quickly and easily your mind can snap and you go from feeling really good about life to not being okay. And the reality is, in our minds, we have a lot of pieces. It kind of looks like this. It's chaos, man. In our minds and in our lives, we have a lot of pieces and in reality, these broken pieces that we, after our minds just implode, we finally pick up the pieces and we're like, oh God, what am I gonna do with this? I don't even know that I have a, like the right plan for this. I wasn't expecting this. This didn't meet my expectations. You know, I'm kind of hurting right now and I don't know a way out. Uh, that's, that's also known as marriage. Man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Oh, man. I love it, but. <laughs> but this, it's true. And, and you think, like, man, how are we going to put the pieces back together? And, and, so, and, and you don't really know if you have a plan. And, and really, from all, like, from all, like, perspective of us looking at it, this really isn't all that impressive, like our, our, the pieces and the brokenness in our minds and in our hearts. And over time, it just builds up. And you're left with this like very overwhelming mess. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says um, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are made new. And I want to show you uh, this beautiful, beautiful puzzle. Look at this. 
Isn't that beautiful? Any puzzle people in the house? I love it. I'm, in, I'm into puzzles now. It's my new thing. I'm, gonna, I'm diving in because it forces me to slow down and have a, different, a new perspective. And when you're putting a puzzle piece together, you can't really think about much else, right? Like, it's all about that next piece. The, the worries of this world slowly fade, and it's, it's all about this puzzle. Man, my, my head was spinning thinking about this puzzle because we're talking about brokenness and restoration. And an interesting thing, the thing that I kept thinking about with the puzzle pieces is it's a, it's a lot easier to create a mess than it is to put our lives back together. Isn't it? Making a mess is easy. If this slipped out of my hand right now, we would have a mess. It's that simple, that easy. But putting it together took a ton of time, a ton of patience, a ton of perseverance. So many of us, when we think of mental health and becoming restored, we want the instant fix. I wanna walk in and I want somebody to put their hand on me, and I want to walk away new. And, but what I think is so interesting that we even see in Scripture is that becoming restored is, is more of a process than a moment. That God can restore you in a moment, and he can fix everything. For if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But the new takes some time to refine. The new takes some time to build some healthy habits. If you've ever, if you're working through stuff right now, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Another interesting thing about this is that whenever I was working on this by myself, it was taking me forever. But when I started working on the broken pieces with company, it moved a little quicker. Especially when my wife stepped in, it got, it got, we got moving real fast. She's like a, she's like a genius. I don't even know how she could do it. The, the puzzle was upside down. She's like, it's that one. I'm like, What? I think it's so true in our lives. So we, we overlook the, the pieces that may be of the most importance, but someone else looks at our situation and says, oh, no, 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 did you not see that God gifted you this way? What God wants to do in your life is what, you, what looks like a complete and total disaster, God wants to create something beautiful. He actually specializes in this. And you're like, yeah, but, 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 but I'm too broken, but, but. I'm too messed up, I'm too screwed up, and God's saying, no, don't you realize this is what I specialize in? I, I am a master crafter, master designer. I created you, I crafted you, I designed you. I think I know how to restore what's broken better than anybody else. I believe God wants to do something very special in your life. The question I have is, are you willing to commit to a process are you, are you willing to commit to being patient with the restoration process and to persevere through the hard times? Using a process will actually speed up the progress, but going into it with no plan is gonna slow you down. A prop, one of the pro, this is one of the problems for me is that uh, Instagram looks like that. Real life looks like this. Am I right? And if you're struggling mentally right now, you may need to hang up the perfect picture in everyone's life that you're looking at and just start diving into your own struggle. Comparison kills. Competition kills, but when you start diving into your own, 
chaos God can begin to heal. Last thing, and I'm, I'm, this is, I'm closing with this, and this is super fast, and I just I hope that you can write this down. I believe that uh, becoming restored is uh, 100% the work of God, but we also have a responsibility to play. I love how my former pastor said it his. He said, we trust in him to produce what I am actively, actively choosing to pursue. So we're trusting in him. He's the peace giver. But it's also something we're actively choosing to pursue. And I wanna give you seven steps to restoration in two minutes. Seven steps to restoration in two minutes. So write this down, I'm gonna move quickly. Bring others on the journey. Your process is only as good as those that you bring with you on the journey towards mental health and towards restoration. Bring people with you on the journey. If you're here tonight and you're not healthy and you're not in a good place mentally, go to somebody and say, hey, I'm not okay, I need help. Bring people on the journey with you. You're only as good as the people you bring around you. Elevate your thinking. What do we see in Philippians? Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Some of you here tonight, your thinking is bad. You're negatively speaking over yourself. The people around you are negatively speaking over you. The things that you listen to and put in your eyes and in your ears are deteriorating your thoughts. Some of us just need to elevate our thinking. And we need to think about what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. We can talk, we'll talk more about that practically next weekend. Number three, go to God. These are, go to God is, is number one. That's like, go to God. It says in uh, Philippians, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Go to God however, wherever, but retreat alone with God. Uh, number four, listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen, listen. And these are the three things I want you to listen to. Worship, the word, and the wind. You're like, whoa, it just got weird. He's talking about the wind. No, this is what I mean by that. Um, whenever I was in, mentally in an unhealthy place, uh, not too long ago, and, and I just, oh, this is bad. I just never experienced anything like that in my life. And I needed a retreat, this is exactly what I did. I told my wife, hey, I'm not okay, I need help. I elevated my thinking, I took me from the thing that was right in front of me and I said, no, I'm better than this, like God has a plan for my life, God has already spoken a calling over my life. So I brought people around me, I elevated my thinking and then I went to God. How did I go to God? I went to a golf course where people go to be with God. You're like, you are insane, you're still a little, that's where I went, I went and I putted, I chipped and I kinda, got my, I kinda got my mind right, and this, I mean, this was the very thing, really, this time, alone with just me and God out there, I put my headphones in, uh, the really big ones. I didn't want anybody bothering me. It was like, no, I'm, I'm in the zone right now, the noise canceling, and I listened to the word. About two or three chapters in the book of Psalms will really lift your spirits. I encourage you to do that. If you're feeling low, just read through the Psalms 24-7. Then I would put on a worship song or two, and then I would cut it off take the headphones off, and I would listen to God's voice. The wind is nothing. Listen to, listen to nothing and allow God to speak to you. Go to God, listen, listen, listen. Word, worship, wind. Five, meditate on truth. Psalm one, one through three says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with the mockers. What was point number one? Bring people around you. Your process is only as good as the people you 
put around you. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, write it down. But they delight in the law of the Lord, in the word of the Lord. And what does it say? Meditating on it day and night. If you meditate on the word, meditate on truth, you elevate your thoughts. What does the scripture say? They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in each and every season. Their leaves will never wither and they will prosper in all that they do. Number six, encourage someone. Think of someone in your life that you could give a quick call or a quick text to. Now, this may seem opposite. You're like, no, me becoming mentally healthy is about me. Well, what's interesting about that is, is after spending time with God and talking to him and worship and hearing from him, there's something in your soul that's kind of like, I got a little something to give. I'm gonna text somebody. I'm gonna call a friend of mine and say, hey, I'm not okay, how are you? You know, everybody loves that call. That was, I made that call for like two months. Hey, I'm breaking down, how you feel? They'd be like, I'm not, I'm not joking. Nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, me too. I'm like, okay. Pray for you, I'll pray for you. Last thing is set a healthy rhythm. You need to identify your season so that you can set your pace, so that you can set your rhythm. We're, set, we're taking the entire next Sunday to talk about that. But we don't worry about tomorrow, we worry about today. We don't worry about tomorrow or today, but we focus our attention and set a healthy rhythm for our lives. Restored people restore cities. Earlier I talked about how like in Boulder, there's something that feels broken. Well, because it feels broken, it's, it's, it's because of broken people, but restored people restore cities. And uh, there's, I just heard this from uh, a collection of pastors we were talking, and the general idea was that in 1967, uh, the church walked away from Boulder. And you're like, what? But it's believed that that was the beginning of the church saying like, I don't really, I mean, there were still people that tried, but that was kind of the beginning of us saying like, I really don't know. And they started to walk away. And I, I believe that as followers of Christ and people that believe in a restoring God, it is the calling of our lives to seek restoration mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and then to restore our city. And at Pinewood Church, we're not gonna walk away from the city. We're walking into the city. And every little crevice of the city, we're gonna go there, we're gonna speak the truth, we're gonna bring hope, and we're gonna tell people about Jesus. Restored people, restore cities. I'm gonna end with this verse, and I want you to think about this verse as we go into our final song. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry and wasted land. God is bringing about restoration in this city, but it starts with you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.